This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not contain or replace any legal advice. Hello and welcome to Maddox on the Mic. You're listening to the Privacy in Public podcast. Over the course of this series, we'll be taking a closer look from the perspective of Australian government agencies at the key Australian privacy principles, which are better known as the APPs for short. We'll be unpacking some tips and tricks to help you comply with them. But if you're from a private sector organisation, please don't stop listening because today we are actually talking about APP1 and many of the things we're going to be discussing will be very relevant for you also. My name is Catherine Armitage. I'm a partner in the public law team at Maddox. And with me today is one of our amazing senior associates, Farhana Islam. She's constantly grappling with some of the intricacies of the Australian privacy principles. And so I'm really glad that she's able to join us today. Welcome to the show, Farhana. Thanks for having me. Well, let's get straight into it. What is, why don't we tell everybody what APP actually says? Well, APP1 imposes three separate obligations on APP entities. Now, before I go on, I should probably make clear for listeners new to the privacy law that when we talk about APP entities, we're really referring to mostly Commonwealth agencies and private sector organisations that are subject to the Commonwealth Privacy Act. And we can spend a solid 10 minutes going through the increases of that aspect. But going back to your Mm. question, Catherine, firstly, APP1 requires that an APP entity must take reasonable steps to implement practices, procedures, and systems that will ensure it complies with the APPs, which is number 13 in total. Now, APP1 also requires that entities have a clear, expressed, and up-to-date APP privacy policy about how the entity manages personal information, and then takes reasonable steps to make that privacy policy available free of charge in an appropriate form. So really, the objective of APP1 APP1 is to ensure that APP entities manage personal information in an open and transparent way. So what you're really saying is that um, APP1 is really possibly the most important APP of all and it, because it enhances sort of the accountability of entities to make sure that their, their practices and procedures kind of are, um, build that community trust and confidence in the practices. That's exactly right, Catherine. It's interesting you mentioned trust and picked up on that. The Office of the Australian Information Commission released its um, Australian Community Attitudes to Privacy Service survey in September last year, which found that there was been a general, sadly, decrease in trust in organisations that handled personal Mm. information. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners will find this interesting. The survey also found that the Australian government is generally more trusted than businesses with the protection of personal information. Now, I mentioned this consumer survey as it's really interesting. It was first undertaken in 2001. Obviously, it's changed over time to account for new developments in technology and the like. But it provides longitudinal information and insight into Australia's attitudes to privacy. And I personally find it extremely helpful to refer to the survey findings when I'm thinking about what people would expect APP entities to do to manage personal information in an open and transparent way as required under APP1. And are there any kind of tips that you would have for APP1? Well, as I mentioned, um, a part of APP1 is ensuring APP entities have a clearly expressed and up-to-date APP privacy policy that outlines how the entity manages personal information. 
Now, we sometimes find that with so many new and exciting projects that entities are implementing, there are many new ways that entities handling personal information. And by handling, I mean new and novel ways of collecting, using, storing and disclosing personal information. So do you mean that the privacy policy kind of might not always apply to those collections? That's right. They don't always mm. apply. Most entities do have one privacy policy intended to cover the full range of ways that they handle personal information, which they make available on their website. That's mm -hmm. standard practice. But we sometimes advise our clients that they should also create a new program-specific privacy policy so it's easy for people to understand how the new program works, particularly if the new ways of handling information is unique and the community is generally likely to want to know about how the information is being handled. Now, doing so will obviously help entities meet the objective of being open and transparent as required under APP1. Um, now, that consumer survey I mentioned found that Australians are more likely to trust a website or survey if they sorry, a service if they have read the privacy policy. But it also found that only 20% read privacy policies and are confident they understand them. And a staggering 87% of respondents wanted privacy policies that are easier to understand and feature standard, simple language, and potentially include a plain English summary. The survey also found a significant amount of respondents also wanted icons as visual prompts in privacy policy. So, I guess if you're developing a privacy policy, say for a new nationwide program, it's useful to keep those survey findings in mind and think about as a starting point, when you're drafting the policy, is your policy easy to understand? Is it specific and tailored to your entity's business? Does it cover the types of information collected? And is the information, uh, and sorry, and how the information is held and disclosed? So if I've got, say if I'm in a, a, a Commonwealth agency and um, I've got a fantastic privacy policy, is that, do I get a tick then? Am I finished with APP1? Uh, not quite. <laughs> now, now, having an up-to-date privacy policy and making it available is obviously a very important step in meeting APP1, but there is a risk that such a privacy policy might become out of date over time if not monitored. Now, a significant obligation under APP1 is an APP entity is required to take reasonable steps to implement practices, procedures and systems relating to the entity's functions or activities. So it really sets the foundation for helping APP entities to meet the remaining 12 APP. So thinking of that beautiful craft of <laughs> privacy policy that you now have drafted, the question is how is your entity going to ensure that it doesn't become out of date? So what proactive steps is your entity going to establish, like internal practices and procedures, to ensure um, it remains up to date? It could be that you have an internal process that for new projects which deal with the handling of personal information, someone will need to consider and tick off that the current privacy policy remains relevant. Now, this could be part of a template for a project documentation. This is just mm -hmm. a small example. Now, there's so much scope for APP entities to put in place practices, procedures and systems which will assist them to comply with the other APPs. But that doesn't mean that an APP entity needs to go overboard or, you know, over-engineer processes. APP1 only requires APP entities to take reasonable steps. That's one of those um, phrases that appears a number of times in the Privacy Act, isn't it? What, do you, what does that mean? Can you expand a little bit more on what, what do we mean by when we say reasonable steps? My answer is the classic legal answer, <laughs> it depends, Catherine. What is reasonable would depend upon the circumstances. Now, the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner provides some really useful guidance in its APP guidelines on how to approach this question of 
reasonableness, uh, particularly in the context of the Privacy Act. But relevant considerations include issues like the nature of the personal information that's being handled. You know, is it sensitive information under the Privacy Act? Um, what's the possible adverse consequences for an individual if their personal information is not handled as required by the APPs? Generally, the, most significant, the more significant the consequence, the greater need to take more active steps. Obviously, the resources of entity is also relevant in considering what is reasonable for entity to do. Well, speaking about what an entity should do, what about a privacy impact assessment, our favourite thing for Hannah? <laughs> That's a really good question, Catherine. <laughs> now, if there are new ways that you are handling personal information and you can think about un undertaking a privacy impact assessment, um, if you consider that your project is a high privacy risk project, and you work for a Commonwealth agency, you must undertake a privacy impact assessment of that project or process. Now, undertaking a privacy impact assessment is definitely a reasonable step that APP entities can take to comply with APP1. And we find that some entities go further and publish the privacy impact assessment or a summary form, which is great transparency measure in our view. And we often suggest this as an additional measure um, for APP entities. We also see the publication of privacy impact assessments as assisting entities to demonstrate how they have taken up, as we call it, privacy by design approach mm, for a particular mm. project. And you can also think about building in processes such as undertaking a threshold privacy impact assessment to consider whether a privacy impact assessment is actually required for a project. This could be documented in templates for project initiations or part of your project plan documentation. Now, Usually when we're looking at an APP's entity's compliance with APP1, we're doing so in the context of undertaking a privacy impact assessment for a particular project and not really considering an entity's broader compliance with APP1. But there are common themes that come out that could apply more broadly. Um, some steps that we regularly suggest APP entities consider include, you know, making information publicly available about the new project or program. This is broader than just what's including the privacy policy, especially if you have a privacy mm, policy mm. that's very generic in nature. Um, another key uh, suggestion that we make is reviewing governance arrangements to ensure a privacy design approach is embedded in an entity's process. We often find that many projects have the potential for function creep in the future. Now, when I say function creep, it's, I mean when an information used or for a purpose um, that was not the original specified purpose. So there's a chance it could be used for other purposes. It's also a risk that privacy factors may not be appropriately considered at the time that there is consideration of extending the functionality of a system, for example. I think you've explained really well why APP1 is just so important. And if you get APP1 right, that really um, assists in making sure that all the rest of the APPs kind of fall into place because you've got the right policies, the right procedures, the right systems in place to make sure that the, the rest of the issues all get considered and thought about and approved as, as a project is either commences and then how it's implemented and developed as it goes along in time. Unfortunately, I think that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening in to our very first episode of the Privacy in Public podcast. And thank you so much for Hannah for joining us today. If you've got any burning questions for us, please just head over to the Maddox website. 
send us a message or connect with us on LinkedIn. Fahar and I would love to hear from you and uh, we'd be very happy to answer any questions you have. In the next episode, we'll be looking really closely at APP3, which is um, the APP that's all about the collection of solicited information. And we'll also be touching on APP5, which is about the requirements for collection notices or otherwise making sure that people know how you're collecting and using and disclosing their personal information. If you like this episode, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time. Thank you.